Hello, and welcome to another episode of Enchanting Economics in New Mexico. This podcast is a production of Bieber, the recognized expert in socioeconomic data for the state of New Mexico. Your hosts, as usual, are myself, Rayanne McKernan, alongside Saroon Lytel. Bieber researchers recently conducted a study on the potentials of bringing community solar to New Mexico. Joining us today is the person who brought Bieber that project, Mountain West Regional Director for the Coalition of Community Solar Access, Kevin Cray. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. So just in case someone isn't familiar with it, what is community solar? And how did CCSA get involved in bringing it to New Mexico? Yeah, that's a great question. Community solar really fills the void between rooftop solar, which a lot of New Mexicans have taken advantage of, as well as or in comparison to utility scale solar that's brought to you by a lot of the state's utilities. It fits in the middle and is typically you know, between one and five megawatts in size, uh, which is about somewhere between five and 40 acres, depending on the makeup of the project. And it allows individual residents and businesses within the community to just subscribe to it and get credits on their bills. It's kind of a way to support or have solar without actually having solar. And this really presents opportunities for renters or people that don't own or have access to the roof to be able to get benefits um, similar to those that do have access to the roof. So it really levels the playing field, particularly for customers that are maybe in the, the lower income bracket or don't have the credit score um, or ability to, to access rooftop solar. And um, you specifically work for the Coalition of Community Solar Access. What What is that? So the Coalition for Community Solar Access is the nationwide trade organization for the community solar industry. We represent about 72 members and we're active in about 15 states. We originally had a focus on opening new markets like what we're doing here in New Mexico, um, but also have had a renewed interest in supporting existing markets like Colorado and Minnesota and continuing to expand access in those markets as well. And so you came to Bieber because you wanted an economic impact analysis done. Could you tell us a little bit about what brought you to Bieber? And then also, can you talk about the results? Um, was it what you were hoping for? The uh, economic impact analysis is a tool that we found very useful in opening new markets. What it really does is help make the, the economic development opportunities of a community solar industry very tangible. And we thought it was important, um, particularly in New Mexico, to be having that come from a local voice, which is why we reached out to the University of New Mexico. I think the economic impact analysis did a really good job of quantifying the benefits that the community solar industry and this market can bring to New Mexico, particularly in the investor-owned utility markets that it was focused on. I thought the results were, were really great. Um, I think it really hit the mark and it took into account um, a lot of various aspects, both um, from the, in, the direct development of the projects and then the indirect economic benefits to the surrounding economy and the supporting industries that enable the community solar projects to come to fruition. Additionally, it looked further into the future at uh, ongoing O&M potential as well as jobs brought to various counties that are, are well positioned to benefit from the market. I think the, the results of showing you know, upwards of half a billion dollars of economic development over five years and almost 4,000 good paying jobs was certainly uh, very critical to the success of our legislative push in New Mexico. 
Um, things did get pared down a little bit throughout the process. We didn't quite end up with the, the scale of program that we were initially aiming for, but I think the economic analysis, again, did a really good job of quantifying kind of the full spectrum of opportunities in New Mexico. I know resulting after the study, um, there were two bills that were introduced into the legislative session about community solar, House Bill 106 and Senate Bill 84. Could you tell us what happened with those bills now that the session ended a few days ago? Yeah, so we did lead with a Senate first strategy. So we put a lot of our emphasis behind Senate Bill 84, and that was the one that ultimately made it across the finish line. We did have House Bill 106 as kind of a backup plan if uh, Senate Bill 84 were to run into any snags on its uh, trip through the legislature. Um, as we moved through the legislature, we did take on a handful of amendments that kind of adjusted the bill over time. And um, kind of close to its, or I guess right around its last House committee, the investor-owned utilities reached out to our Senate sponsor, uh, Senator Liz Tomonix, and she uh, was able to reach a settlement with them to bring them to neutral on the bill, which I think was very critical in its passage. Um, and we uh, do still look forward to the governor signing that bill into law. Is that the next step then? Is her signing it? There isn't a timeline yet on when New Mexicans could start buying into community solar or when we could start seeing construction? That is correct. The governor will need to sign the bill into law before anything can happen beyond this point. Um, she needs to make that step by April 9th, and we uh, really expect her to do so in the hopefully not too distant future. As we move beyond that, there will also be a rulemaking process at the Public Regulation Com uh, Commission, or the PRC. Um, that is scheduled to be completed by April 1st of 2022. After that, you would see the the utilities actually offering the program, starting to allocate program capacity to various community solar developers. And from there, you would start to see the construction of the community solar facilities. The construction of a community solar facility typically takes somewhere between six and 18 months. So uh, once that construction is completed and they get permission to operate from the host utility, they would be able to start applying bill credits to customers' bills. And there is an act that was introduced here, um, the New Mexico's Energy Transition Act, and that requires public utilities to convert grids to 50% renewable by 2030, 80% renewable by 2040, and then 100% carbon-free generation by 2045. I'm curious, is there any efforts that would Community Solar would support in the public utilities actions to reach those numbers? There are. One of the key amendments that was taken through the legislative process um, allocated the renewable energy certificates or RECs to the utilities. And the utilities can therefore use those RECs to show compliance with the EPA in reaching those various goals that you outlined. So community solar will have a, you know, a direct impact in support of utilities reaching those goals but will just be a small part of reaching those goals. So those utilities will continue to do um, large-scale development of wind and solar and other resources, but community solar will be a, a part of reaching them. Sarun, do you have anything? Uh, no, not at the moment. What happens when the community solar installations are implemented and available? Is there going to be a major media campaign so that people know this is available? Will there be any effect on those who decide not to partake? 
So we've we've embarked on a handful of media campaigns throughout the legislative process, just letting folks know where we're at. As far as actually marketing community solar offerings to the respective customers that can subscribe, that will largely be left up to the community solar developers and the people that are looking to actually subscribe those folks to their respective projects. Um, as far as the impact to non-participants, another amendment that was adopted through the legislative process um, capped any potential cross-subsidization from non-participating customers at 3%. Um, what we typically see in most other markets is that the benefits of distributed generation and in particular community solar typically outweigh the costs. So cross-subsidization is, is limited if there's any at all. You mentioned that community solar is um, already running in other states. Is there any similarity that you can see of how this could turn out? Um, meaning like, is there any state that followed the same path that New Mexico is currently on time-wise? Or how will New Mexico differ from the way other states uh, put it into implementation? Yeah, from my perspective, it most closely models the Colorado program, which is actually the longest standing community solar program in the country. Their legislation initially passed in 2010 with the first program uh, opening up in 2012. That said, I think New Mexico has been in a unique position where it's gotten to benefit from a lot of lessons learned from the other 20 states plus the District of Columbia that have uh, implemented community solar enabling legislation. So while it, it is very similar to the Colorado program, um, it, it is also uniquely fit for New Mexico. And I think that was um, largely due to the extensive stakeholder process that took, pro took place over last summer and fall where we had about 90 participants that brought in their own ideas, concerns, and, and discussion topics. We also were fortunate to have the National Renewable Energy Lab, or NRAIL, and their National Community Solar Partnerships Program provide technical assistance to that working group through educational series um, to the participants there. So it was really great to have that you know, neutral third party um, element providing a lot of the education and highlighting what's worked well and what's not worked so well in a lot of other markets. Um, is there anything else that you would like uh, New Mexicans to know about community solar that we haven't touched on? You know, I, I think we, we've touched on a lot of it. I, I'm just really excited to see, you know, the benefits of community solar spread far and wide. Unlike utility scale solar, community solar um, allows the little guys to participate and be part of the energy transition. Um, they're not looking for hundreds of acres, but you know, just small portion of a, maybe a rancher's land or a farmer's farm that's not being very productive at the moment. Um, they can use that to diversify their income and continue to have their farms operating for years to come. So I think the ability to have a, a real economic impact on rural parts of New Mexico will be really key. And again, providing opportunities for smaller landowners to use some of their property to support renewables, um, similar to some of the larger landowners that had opportunities um, for more of the utility scale development. Right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us here at Enchanting Economics in New Mexico. Don't forget to check us out at Bieber, that's bber.unm.edu, or on social media, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under at UNM Bieber. Thanks for listening, everyone. And again, thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. Thank you.
Thank you for having me.